ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The Drive. The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome into the Wednesday, August 15th edition. Your drive begins now here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Today is going to be a little bit different, more somber occasion, but I think we're going to have some laughs as well because yesterday we all got the news that a martial legend passed away, Reggie Oliver, passing away yesterday at the age of 66. And for many uh, Reggie was, um, for a lot of people, a iconic part of that era. But I think there's more to the story than just what maybe we remember Reggie for, the legend itself. I mean, the myth sometimes grows, but there was a probably a better story behind the myth and the legend that was Reggie Oliver. So I've got some help today, and we're going to have later on the program, uh, Jim Grobe's going to join us by phone, so we're going to talk to him, so he'll be with us, but um, first of all, uh, long-time equipment manager at Marshall University, a um, a big part of this program for many years and for many years to come. Woody Woodrum is with us. Hey there, Paul. I couldn't do this without you, so um, <laughs> you had to be here today. Um, Dave Walsh, part of that Young Thundering Herd team, is with us. He's to be in back. studio and couldn't do this without you as well. And um, we decided, hey, we're going to try to grab some guys, see who's in town, who can we just talk to today. And part of that 1970 freshman squad, Rick Mextrop is with us. And good to see you, sir. Paul, thank you. Um, I wish we all could come together for a, a better reason. But I thought it was important that we just talked about Reggie Oliver today because he was a huge part, as many of those young Thundering Herd members were, a part of – Marshall football then and now, and I know the legend of Reggie Oliver has grown, but I think there's a lot more to that story. I'll start with you, Rick. This, If you could, tell me about Reggie. I mean, where do you want to start? Where would you like to start on that? Well, from the beginning, when we were here, when we, when we came our freshman year, we all met together here at one time early in the season before all students came, and, you know, that's where we came together because it was a smaller group. Uh, you know, we were recruited, and we were scholarship players, and we were able to come early to mix with the seniors, um, you know, kind of get get used to the college life and the football, of, you know, three a days and kind of the hard time. But Reggie is always larger than life, always outgoing. Uh, being in Alabama, he had uh, colleagues from that were on the himself. Uh, I'm from Cincinnati. And I had my – there was three good players, four good players from Cincinnati. Right, Reggie had us from Tuscaloosa, great players, all nice. We all got together, and uh, the nice thing is when we were here that we all bonded. And and then we, we, we did that for the next four years. And, you know, I think for what we went through and, and the bad time we had that we came through it, um, together, and I don't think we could have done it individually or at a smaller group. It's just that we all stayed tight and uh, discussed things amongst ourselves, and and there was a lot going on in our life as a freshman, and uh, that was all the decisions we had to make, and uh, we tried to do it as a group, and uh, you know, with David, Dave Walsh, and and 
you know, all the, all the well, how many, you know, we had a good group. In the 30s? For our freshman class, yeah, I think something like that. Somewhere, but they didn't yeah. make it. They, you know, they they we whittled them out. They, they, oh yeah, they, they left so quick. You There's know, a they, revolving door. It was was. <laughs> I mean, some good football players. Some of them were were great. But you mm-hmm. know, like I said, you know, we got Reggie. He was there, and uh, of course, you know, he was always outspoken. He was he's a, he's a great ambassador for Marsh University because he he speaks so well and he's always friendly. There's he don't know a stranger, and. Uh, we had just the group of us. Uh, I don't think we had any bad times that I know of. Uh, just other, on the scoreboard. Other, yeah. <laughs> just on the yeah. scoreboard. Yeah, and that, and that was only due to the fact that, you know, some of the things we went through. You know, that wasn't – after that, we I think we did all right. Yeah. Yeah. But i tell you what, he, he, when we – you know, hearing about his accident initially and then turning around and then finding this out that he didn't, that he didn't work out – it's it's a sad day for Marshall and for us, especially the team members. I, I know every one of them feel like uh, uh, David and I. You know, it's just it's hard to take. Yeah. And it's hard to talk about, really. Yeah, I got the phone call from Bill Forbes about him falling. Then I found out he was in a chair reading the Bible. And then uh, yesterday evening, the phone rings. Tim Stevens calls me, and I could tell by his tone of it was almost like Bob uh, Bob Johnson that day with the plane crash. When Tim goes, Dave. And I hear his voice, and I'm going, this is not good. And he told me about Reggie passing away, and I gave, and I talked a little bit. And then I just sort of got in a daze. And thanks to social media and stuff, after sitting for a while, I wrote a little something. And I just, and just tried, to, tried to put it into words. But at that point in time, it's difficult because you're thinking, you saw him speak in April. He falls. You get some encouraging words on a Friday at the vigil. And then – we, we'll, we'll probably never know what happened. And then the phone rings for the call that we're all going to get one day, but we thought, not now. Not now. But then you think the impact he had when you read social media, what Doc said, what Dr. Gilbert said, they've only known him for a short time. But you, as I said, he was an impact player and an impact person. That's all you got to say about Reggie. That speaks volumes. Uh, Paul, he was just larger in life. And you can't frame it in the you know, in the window of just Marshall, because Reggie also, you know, the year after he was done, he was in the World Football League. And there's not a lot of guys that can claim that. They they played for fun because the paychecks came and went quickly sometimes. And, and then Reggie had a tryout even with the Dallas Cowboys. But when he got back to Huntington, he had to student teach to get his degree. So he goes to Huntington High coaches with, uh, you know, football over there and baseball, Toby Holbrook and, uh, you know, the great Claude Miller over there getting to work for both those ex-Marshall guys. So, you know, so there's people at Huntington High who in that period mm-hmm. who are really touched by this and, and uh, were really kind of blown away yesterday. And, and then there's the guys that played for him when Sonny hired him here. And, my gosh, a lot of guys got their first college job under Sonny Randall, Jimmy Grove, who's going to join us later, Bob Pruitt, uh, you know, uh, Reggie. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Bill Stewart might have been a GA somewhere, but yeah. it was first-paying yeah. job. And there were a lot of those guys. And we, we had some go in and out fast because Sonny was hiring quality kit guys who could go anywhere and work and make more money. But, uh, but Reggie stuck it out all five years. And, you know, I've seen some of those guys posting – and then, you know, the, after that, he moved on to Bowling Green and coached there for three or four years. 
And I was at Mike. I was at Western Michigan one of those years. He was out there, and you know, when I told him I knew Reggie Oliver, some of the assistant coaches just shook their head. And I said, <laughs> "I'm sure you got something to add to a long list already." <laughs> so you've got those folks, and he, he, you know, he had the coaching year. Probably what he really would have liked to stayed with was Alabama A and M. And then there's a horrible accident, and a pest, pedestrian's killed, and he loses that job after only one year. And I know he worked at. Eastmore Academy up in Columbus, too. But, you know, a, a lot of people who are, are young in the program or even people like Doc and, and Dr. Gilbert, people like that, who haven't known him very long, you know, some of us have known him, it seems like, forever. And I think the thing that got us all was, you know, it wasn't like Phil Ratliff where it came pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't encouraging from the start. When he fell, you know, and they're drilling his skull, you're really like, oh, my God. But then they say, you know, he's thumbs up and it's, it, that he's, you know, showing some blinking and, and he's breathing on his own. And then all of a sudden it's he's gone. And and it just flipped like that. I think that's the thing that most people are having trouble with. It, 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 you know, you were hopeful that he was going to come out of this and then all of a sudden it was over. Would you three agree that... In that tragedy, Reggie Oliver was the right guy at the right time for everyone. Just the right personality, oh, yeah. the right person yeah. to be in that terrible circumstance. Yeah, I, there's no question. Uh, Reggie, uh, obviously, was with David. Both of them were starting, you know, quarterbacks and alternated. And you take, you know, when you're working like that, they become the leader quickly. No different than a defensive leader, you know what I'm saying? So as, as as they come along, you know the respect they got was good, and then Reggie always was uh, good about working with everybody. So we come together, and uh, he he was the right person. There's no question he he was the one because he could talk to anyone and, uh, and and get the results that we needed to stay together. And then decisions were the making, you know, about coaches, you know, who's coming in. Uh, you know, when, what they were going to do for us. Uh, we had prime example, I'll let David talk about, we had Coach Bestwick, Bestwick right? Yeah. And that's a good, hours. yeah, let, let him tell you about that. <laughs> that was a, that was a, that would blow you away. That's some interesting points with Coach Bestwick because uh, when Coach Dawson's book came out, there was just some time in that book devoted mm-hmm. to it, and it's almost like what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas, what we read, and then some things you find out, and you went, okay. But the one thing that sticks to me about Reggie, and he made in his speech in April, we lose our varsity football team. We're all wondering what's going to happen. You know, we probably right. could have left and went somewhere else. Reggie he, could have gone back home. Yeah. And Reggie said, nope, African-American or not, I'm going to stay here and see it through. And mm-hmm. you saw what that decision led to. Now, some Saturdays, since that's the only day we played in those days, we took our lumps. I'm, I'm still, I'm still mad at him because he had enough smarts to get hurt in the game that we won against Xavier to set out the bowling, the uh, uh, Miami Bahia massacre. <laughs> I've never let him live that down. I said, Reggie, that was not fun, and you're you're back in the hot tub, whatever. So, but you know, he stuck it out. He stuck it out and made his mark here, and then here we are, almost 50 years later. We're still, you know. It's not like he's an afterthought. He will be with us for a long time. Right place, right time. 
And I think he took it tough because th- there were four more players from Tuscaloosa. They'd all been teammates. They were just one year older than Red. Right. And and he decided to come here because of them, and then all four of them were swept away. So I think he felt like he had to be here. But, yeah, you know, he he was the right guy to, to lead this team. You know, they they needed somebody who could, you know, believe it or not, make you believe that you're going out this Saturday and win. And, and you know, I, I love when I've talked to these guys in the past because, you know, some of that – some of their them playing back then was ignored and, and pushed back. We didn't talk about it. We didn't have ceremonies every year. You know, it took a long time before that happened. And, and Reggie went in the Hall of Fame in the first class when everybody else was a graybeard going in on that class. But it's you know it's only the best of the graybeards like Jackie Hunt and, and people like that. Reggie went in with that group. So you know, it, people may go back and look at his records now and go. This guy's a Hall of Famer. But, you know, it's a different time and it's a different place. I, I found out something today that I was just looking for information. And when he uh, threw, I think, uh, just 14 touchdowns or something his senior year, I made him ninth in the nation in <laughs> most touchdowns thrown. Yeah. So, you know, he was a top ten guy. He also had a lot of yards that year, that third year especially. He had a pretty good season, 1,058 yards. And, uh, you know, he, he was the right guy to kind of be. So he had to step up for Young Thunder. He heard he had to step up for the Hall of Fame. I know he with Rick and, and Dave, and, and they would know how much the other Young Thunder and Herb was involved. But when they came up with the idea, let's have a turning on ceremony as well as a turning off. Correct. And, and that was a huge deal. And, you know, wherever he was, Reggie made it for all those things. That before, you know, turn it off, turn it on. And it's just so, you know, so weird now you look back and, and that great speech he made. We're going to take our first break. We'll come back. We'll continue with these gentlemen. Uh, later on, we're going to hear from uh, Jim Grobe. And uh, if we have time, we'll make time for your phone calls at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. We've got more on the way. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to this Wednesday, August 15th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Uh, I've assembled some guys to help me talk about Reggie Oliver. I've got Woody Woodrum with me in studio. I have got Dave Walsh. I've got Rick Mextroth here in a few minutes. Uh, We will hear from Jim Grobe, and later on we'll take your phone calls. And, uh, gentlemen, uh, we've been talking about Reggie a little bit in in the break as well. Um, This was was important for him to be a part of Marshall after everything. And uh, he really, I think, was a a vocal leader in making sure that Marshall had a football program. That's correct. This wasn't, okay, I'm obligated, I'm going to stick through. I mean, he was dedicated to making sure – this did not end after the plane crash. Correct. He wanted to go forward. Uh, we were talking about Coach Bestwick, who was here today, gone the next day and some things, and uh, Reggie and others were going like, what, what's the deal? And then uh, all of a sudden, Coach Lingle walks in from Worcester, and uh, he's the head coach. We didn't know much about him. We found out later on, but it, as we all thought, well, at least we're going forward. They haven't thrown in the towel, hung up the whistles, or put the gear away. We're going to give it a shot. That's all we wanted. 
Reggie here a chance to leave, whatever, I think his calling card was just give me a shot at whatever I'm doing. Give me the chance, and I'll do my best to make it. And he pretty much was a success more often than not at whatever tra- path he traveled. Well, you know, and I think you saw when he went to the pros. I mean, you know, he was throwing around 49% his senior year. He threw 52% or so, uh, 1,400 yards and uh, seven touchdowns, ran for three more scores. You know, he did that with the World Football League. It had any kind of footing. You know, he could have played for a long time. Then he goes, played for Dallas, who was boatload of quarterbacks crazy, you know, and Maybe not the right pick at the right time, but, you know, he never felt like that let him off the hook for anything. You know, he was still proud of being here. He was excited when he got to come back. But even when he wasn't here, he was excited to tell people about Marshall. I think that's the one thing in Reggie that I know. You know, and he wasn't the guy that was pounding his chest and putting himself out front. You know, he got some of that in 2006 mm-hmm. when they sent in a guy about as tall as me to play him. <laughs> and uh, you know you send in a five eight guy to play a six two guy, but it all looks bigger on the TV. So, uh, but you know Reggie never gave up on that. You know promote Marshall, promote the Thundering Herd, make sure the program's being well taken care of. Come back and lend your voice to that chorus often. It's an I know the answer to this, but it's an obvious question. Uh, without Reggie, where's Marshall football in those latter years to this point? Because for a while, uh, I'm sure a lot of people maybe just, I don't want to say forgot, but it was downplayed a little bit. Uh, and then it started people rediscover, remember it again. And Reggie was an important part of, I don't want to say this resurgence, but people just realizing, hey, we can't let this go. We can't forget. Correct. Uh, we, can, we can move on. We have to move on. We have to move forward but at the same time. We can't forget, and Reggie was a very vocal um, proponent of not forgetting and moving forward at the same time. Right, and he and he continued to to push the program and continued to his ambassadorship to the school, and and, and which, as we go forward from where we were then to, to today's time, I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, what this program has has gone to is unbelievable, and uh, that's thanks to the, the coaches that we have. Um, thanks more to Reggie than anybody that I know because he was always proud and and stayed here and coached a little bit afterwards and, and went to Bowling Green, but he, he always talked about Marshall. And I've been with him since the day he was here, first day, along with David. Yeah. And, you know, I can't say enough about a, a, a fellow guy that I have become one of the best friends in, in the whole career I've been here. And uh, it's it's a boy from Alabama, and talking to a boy from Cincinnati, you know, it's just that that commitment he had. He just was the most friendliest guy. He did, he didn't have any enemies, and everybody loved him. So, you know, like I said, he he's a great, great, great person, and helped this program tremendously. And you know, Woody's talking about some of the numbers a while ago, thousand yards here and some touchdowns. Nowadays, that's a quarter, maybe two games yeah. in that they've yeah. already hit those numbers. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Reggie was always under center. His quarterbacks at Marshall now very seldom, if ever, get under center. So the game has changed, but uh, he found a way to adapt. And I think one of the things that he talked about and one of the things that struck me when we have talked about it was Super this past Super Bowl Sunday. We're sitting there wherever he was in Alabama at the time, helping his mom out. 
you think about Chad Pennington doing some Super Bowl work, Benny Curry playing to get a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and Randy Moss getting into the Hall of Fame. And as Coach Holiday's pointed out, he says, what school has had three guys doing something like that on the same day? Why would you not want to come here? And as I and thought about, you know, did, did we make the right decision on a day like that validates even more so what Reggie, Rick, and I went through. Yeah, 60, you know, in two weekends we beat Xavier and got our head handed to us at Miami. That wasn't fun. I'll be talking to the team in about a week over this again. But at the same time, when you see what happened on Super Bowl Sunday, they made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Took a while to get it there. Yeah, Coach Parrish got some things going, but, hey, that validates it. Three guys in one week, and I'm sorry, school up north, I don't think can make that claim. Other schools can't make that claim. I mean, three from Marshall, you know, all doing Super Bowl work or being rewarded for what they did for their career. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from uh, another voice. Jim Grove is going to join us on the program when we continue on this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We've got a lively group here in the studio right now. Welcome back to The Drive here at ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. I've got Woody Woodrum with me. I've got Rick Mextroff with me. I've got... Dave Walsh, and I'm sorry, Dave, I unfortunately reminded you of 66 to 6. We got some time. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, Remember, um, Reggie ducked out of me on that. He left me. He was back here in the hot tub having fun, and I was getting carried off the field up at uh, Oxford that day. But uh, I had retribution later, and I will relive that point, too. So. Okay. Um, there's only one guy I've ever congratulated for beating Marshall in anything. <laughs> Uh-oh. And uh, he's with us on the program now. Uh, he is a, a longtime son of Marshall. Uh, Jim Grove is with us, and uh, that was—I uh, don't know—you you probably don't remember. You're in the elevator after that win against Marshall, and I looked at you and I said, "You know, if anyone's going to beat the herd, I'm glad it's you." And you're the only one I'm ever going to congratulate for that, Coach. Well, that that was tough for me. I don't want to beat the thundering herd, and of course, the coach, and we're best friends. So, you know, that was. Kind of a mixed blessing for me. I was proud of our team and glad to get a win over a great football team, but uh, it had mixed emotions because I love Marshall for sure. Jim, um, thanks for doing this today. Um, if you would, I'm going to start you out. Might be on a happy note. Give me your best Reggie Oliver story. You know, maybe something that you know you thought of when you heard the, the news yesterday, or something that really makes you smile when you think of Reggie Oliver. Well, I just smile when I think of Reggie Oliver. I mean, Reg was uh, was just one of those people that whenever you saw him coming, you just smiled because you knew you're going to have a good time. And uh, the funniest, for me, the best thing, every time I saw Reggie, uh, he could shake hands with you exactly like Sonny Randall. And he, <laughs> he would come up, and he would turn that hand kind of sideways, and he'd reach out and kind of stab you with his hand. <laughs> he would say, Sonny Randall, you know, and it sounded just like Coach Randall, and uh, every time you saw him, that's exactly the way he greets you. And uh, I just, uh, you know, every time I think of Reggie, I get a smile on my face. Just so, so sad. You know, I've been talking with Bobby Pruitt and Waverly Brooks, some of the coaches, and then a lot of the players have been uh, back and forth on on social media since Reggie's accident and just a really, really sad day for, for the Thundering Herd. Jim, talk about, you know, I know you were with Coach Randall for nearly all that run and 
and Reggie was as well. But, gosh, there were a lot of guys that got their first job there. You mentioned Pruitt and, and so many others that and yourself. I mean, I, I know you guys had, had worked at GAs and whatnot, but talk about the staff and how Sonny pulled so many good coaches together. Well, it was really amazing, uh, the, the coaching staff we had. You know, John Thurnheld and uh, Bill Stewart and, and just a bunch of great coaches, Bob Brown. We had a, we had a lot of good football coaches on that staff and, uh, you know, probably none better than Bobby Pruitt. And, uh, you know, it was a tough time. You know, as you remember, Coach Randall was pretty demanding. And, you know, I survived playing for him and then also survived coaching for him. He told me <laughs> that I got him I got him fired twice as a player and as a coach. <laughs> but uh, uh you know, with, with Coach Randall it, it was a it was a pretty uh, stressful time. You know, he wanted to win you know, today, not tomorrow, not down the road right away. And so he put a lot of pressure on, on the players and the coaches and you know, Reggie was part of that and, and uh just uh you know was one of those guys that uh helped build marshall uh you know laid some some founding uh blocks for for marshall in the future and 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 one of the things that we did we enjoyed each other you know we really enjoyed each other and reggie was a big part of that and and uh you know always had a smile on his face and uh you know you talk about things that make me smile i always remembered uh you know him imitating coach randall and <laughs> that was probably the the most you know we we had for that that uh you know five years that we were together and and all of us weren't there for the whole five years but for the five years that those of us were there that time were together it was just a special special time trying to get martial football back on its feet jim reggie is remembered by a lot of younger people maybe who don't know him as well uh for game heroics yeah, there are a few moments in his career where we circle, and it's just a moment in time where the, the game heroics were uh, larger than life. But what should we really be remembering Reggie for? What's the real Reggie Oliver compared to maybe the, the myth that we built for him? Or is it the same thing? I mean, was he larger than life? Well, you know, I, I think one thing that, that you don't ever want to lose sight of is he was a very talented football player. Uh, you know, I think Reggie was really kind of ahead of his time because I think he was he would have fit uh, very well in these run-pass option offenses today. You know, the dual-threat guy. You know, some some guys are back there in the shotgun and they call them dual-threat guys, but they're really just dual guys. They don't run great or throw great. And I think with Reggie, I think he had a guy that would have been perfect in, in some of the modern-day offenses with the option to run or throw the football because he could do both. But the thing I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, everybody in their life just have, have a few people that you always enjoy seeing. You know, anytime you're around them, they make you feel better. You know, you, you smile and you laugh and tell stories and you just, when you when you see him coming down the street, you just can't help but but look forward to your time together. And that was Reggie Oliver. Anytime I saw Reggie, I just uh, it just makes you know just lifts you up, makes you feel better being around the guy. Jim, I'm just happy that I didn't foul up the film too much, so you didn't get yelled at about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest stressor I got to tell you, Woody. Not, not that I ever worried about your ability to get the film straight, but to what I would have to do if you didn't have it straight, I'd have to go nose to nose with Coach Randall, and that was never a pleasant thing. 
<laughs> well, you know, you're right. And, and you know, for people to look back on those days and they see the records, and I know, I mean, sometimes I've, people have asked, how could you have been bad so long? And there were so many things that changed. But I, one of the things I remember about you guys coming in was you want somewhere to work out. We don't have anywhere to work out. They can't promise you room in Gullickson or anything like that. And so you guys go over with your snow shovels and clear the parking lot of Fairfield Stadium. Sonny buffaloes them into buying 100 sets of sweatpants and tops and and then get somebody locally to donate the knitted caps so the players can actually do stretches under the stands at Fairfield. And if there's any place colder in Huntington on any day than underneath those stands at Fairfield, and then all that snow on top of it, you know, you're, you're looking around, you're probably wondering, so this is big-time Division One football, huh? <laughs> well, you know, I think that was one of the most fun things we, we had to do was figure out ways to get things done, and you had to be a little bit unconventional. And, uh, you know, the thing with Coach Randall was we were going to work. You know, no matter what, we were going to work hard, players and coaches, and uh you know, when I look back at that, Coach Brooks and I were talking about it not too long ago, but when you look back at that, that was pretty much child abuse. You know, <laughs> taking those guys over to Fairfield running up and down those bleachers. They were slick and had snow all over. We had guys falling down the steps. And uh, to think back to those things, it's something that I think everybody looks back on fondly. But we were out there freezing to death running in, in Fairfield Stadium. We, we probably didn't appreciate it as much as we do now. Joining us on the program, he's uh, been with the program for a long time in different capacities. Uh, he's Jim Grobe. Um, sad day, Jim, but uh, I think uh, with all the sadness at the same time, uh, a lot of maybe good memories have been brought up uh, and a reappreciation. Not that we really needed to reevaluate that, but a, a new appreciation once again for Reggie Oliver and everything he did. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, honestly and truly, uh, I love Reggie Oliver and Every time I think of him, I'll have a smile on my face. He leaves a lasting, it's enduring. You know, it's not something that people will forget. Anybody that, that knew Reggie uh, was blessed to have known him. And uh, any time I think of Reggie Oliver, I'll have a smile on my face. Coach, thanks for joining us. And uh, we got to let you get back to, uh, I guess, what, grandpapa duty again here. Uh, <laughs> more, more things are happening yeah. in the Grobe family. <laughs> <laughs> We've got number five on the way here anytime now. We're in Charlotte and Ben and Nicole. They're, wow. they're having their third. Of course, Matt up in Huntington. we got two up there. And so uh, we're, we're enjoying our grandkids for sure. Get up here as quick as you can, Jim. We need a visit from you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it. Well, I'm coming for homecoming for sure. Matt's got hurt golf day uh, on that Friday, and we'll be there for homecoming. So we're planning on getting back and seeing everybody. Okay, definitely. Right. We'll talk to you soon then. Thank you, sir. All right, y'all be good. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's Jim Grobe. We're going to take a quick break, come back. We've got Huntington Mayor Steve Williams uh, joining us on the program when we continue on this edition of The Drive. Welcome back to this Wednesday, August 15th edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Uh, I've got an a interesting do, studio here. Do I do I have to get up and give up my seat <laughs> since the mayor is getting ready to come on? Um, that's what happened to me at council meeting on Tuesday. They made me get out of my seat, and then the mayor sat there. Uh, no, uh, you keep your seat. Okay. Um, he's on the phone. There you go. Uh, by the way, uh, in studio, uh, you have Woody Woodrum, you have Dave Walsh, you have Rick Mextroth. 
Um, we have Steve Chapman, who has just uh, bust into our studio. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Huntington Mayor Steve Williams is joining us on the program now to uh, to talk a little bit about Reggie Oliver. Um, this has been a it's a sad day, but at the same time, I think we've made it uh, an enjoyable day. Just all the good memories we have of Reggie, and I'm sure you have some as well, uh, Mayor. We all we all we all have wonderful memories of of, of Reggie, and I wish I was there with Dave and Rick. And, <laughs> Uh, no, you hey don't. guys. <laughs> doing, Hi, Steve. Doing, uh, and it sounds like there's a bit of a party, and, and Reggie is right there. Yeah, Reggie, that's right. Uh, you know, Reggie was bigger than life uh, all the time. All the time. Um, when I first met Reggie, it was uh, unique circumstances. Um, I was never his teammate, although. I feel like I was a, temp, a teammate of his and of Rick's and, and, and Dave's, even though we never played a down together. There was that closeness of, um, with all of those guys after, after the crash. But um, when I was a, a senior in high school, was a quarterback at Huntington High, and we would be working out in the summer, I'd go over and work out with uh, Reggie and Roy Tab and Charlie Henry and, goodness, I don't remember who all else. Um, but I was a quarterback going into my senior year in high school, and Reggie was there, and, and he was just just throwing and throwing and throwing, and I learned an awful lot from him. As a matter of fact, at one point, he looked at me and he said, uh, you're going to throw a lot of interceptions this year. And I said, why? And he said, you're not looking down the field. You're looking down at, at the ground. And uh, he was teaching me. He was coaching even then that uh, keep your eye on down – on, on down the field. Don't be looking at the line that's coming to you. Be looking at down down the field. And that was the beginning of my friendship with, with Reggie. But interestingly, and Dave, I don't know if you remember this, your senior year you all were playing Dayton. Uh, it was a nice sunny day in, uh, in early November um, at, uh, at Fairfield Stadium. I think it may have been even late October. But I think Reggie went something like 21 to, for 24. I mean, it was some unbelievable statistics. And uh, you all just beat the living daylights out of Dayton. And uh, after the after the game, I was standing in the parking lot outside the the, uh, the dressing room, and that's when Coach Langle told me that uh, they were offering me a scholarship to play football at Marshall. And I always connected that uh, whenever I think of Reggie uh, how he performed that day, and then when I was able to hear that I was getting a scholarship offer at at, at Marshall, um, Reggie was, as we've said, and I'm sure you've heard throughout this broadcast, it was, it was bigger than life. Mm-hmm. Steve, um, how important was Reggie as far as not only uplifting the program after the plane tragedy, but in those years in between the movie? And maybe that time where we didn't get complacent, I think, but you know, it, it had passed. People were moving on a little bit, and I don't want to say people forgot, but there was a time where I think a little resurgence needed to happen. And I think Reggie was always there in between when the tragedy happened to the movie and beyond. Reggie, Reggie was there. Actually, my freshman year, he was playing in what was it called, the World Football League? Yeah. With the uh, Jacksonville, mm, what were they sharks, called? The sharks. Sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, Reggie was back, and Woody, I think this was around the time that you arrived, 
it was Coach Elwood had come had come aboard. Uh, Reggie was with us in February, January maybe, and or February. He was back that soon um, after going down to the, uh, and was playing at uh, with, with Jacksonville, and uh, he was always back. Yeah, he was always he was always here, and uh, once he quit playing he coached at Huntington High School he played for he was coaching for Claude Miller over uh, for the Pony Express uh, I was helping out the team at at the time um, in the evenings when I'd get off work I'd go over and uh, Reggie just always I don't ever remember when Reggie wasn't around now of course when he was coaching in college ball to be around but as soon as the season was over with he was always right back always right back here um if if there is anything that reggie did is that and i'm sure each of you guys will attest to this i find it interesting to hear some of the other athletes in, in the more successful era eras saying that they're not they're not recognized or, or enough shoot with all the reggie and and the guys went through in those early years right after after the crash uh none of them feel entitled no. None of them feel entitled. As a matter of fact, they feel that they they have a they have a responsibility to continue to give, not give back, just to give to to the university. And it's not necessarily financially; it's just to be there to to be of support. And that's that's the uniqueness of the young thundering herd. Um, those players feel that there's always something that they need to give a little bit more. And that's where I kind of snicker whenever I hear some of the other stuff saying about how some people feel they're not appreciated. Good Lord, they didn't go through those days. I remember, um, I guess it was my junior year, um, we weren't doing very well, Woody, um, and somebody, I was standing outside a Spanish class um, with a guy named Speedy Bevins, who was a radio guy from down in Logan, and Speedy and I were standing out in the hallway, and he said to somebody, he said, uh, well, basketball season's about to start, and I think it was somebody who worked um, the scoreboard at the basketball game and said, uh, well, thank goodness we don't have a, a football a football program around here or something like that. And he said, well, be careful. Uh, one of the football players is standing right here, and he said, well, he'd be the only football player on campus. And that was the kind of crap that we heard all the time. Yeah. I all would- the time. I was always amazed when somebody would get a little liquid courage in the bars, <laughs> and they go challenge these guys because we had a two and nine year in seventy five, and you know, and 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 so they're going to go out and they're going to whip somebody. I'm like, you know, they're still Division One college football players, even well, if the the overall scheme isn't working. I think they'll probably take you and 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 dust you around a little bit, and uh, that happened a lot. Attest, Dave and Rick will attest to this. <laughs> yeah. um, we had great athletes. We just didn't have the numbers. Uh, we would be playing. There were very few times that we were absolutely just blitzed off the field. Um, oftentimes, one. it was close <laughs> up until well, yeah, you can think of one or two. <laughs> yeah, like, but yeah. but there's but we would be in the game in the fourth quarter. They'd be uh, running away well, because we didn't we didn't have the. Numbers. Also, have something to do with whether. Well, early part of the season when they were still healthy 
and then later in the season when we weren't deep enough yeah. with it quality. Well, that's a, it, that's that's what yeah. I'm saying. Experienced we just players didn't have the, playing yeah. six, we did, six we, first, we didn't right? have the numbers. Yeah. We you all were playing freshmen, but even yeah. by the time you senior year, what you have to have the reason the team is having the success that they have right now is that they can go deep. It's not that they have large scholarship numbers; they just have talent that's two and three deep right. that would be able to start at a lot of other places. We had great starters. <laughs> but there was a big talent ju- uh, drop from first team down to second team. And then, heaven forbid, if you get down to third team. Uh, and that that was a big difference. Yeah. But we'll Reggie see. Oliver, um, when he walked in the room, you knew Reggie was there. And, uh, and he gave a perfect example of that when he gave his speech at the... Uh, at the Springs uh, Fountain Ceremony this past uh, this past April. Steve, we'll have to cut it there. We're out of time. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you joining Thanks. us, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Good yeah. seeing you, Steve. Bye. Take care, buddy. Thanks. See you guys. Bye-bye. That's Huntington Mayor Steve Williams. Um, that's going to do it. Gentlemen, thank you. Woody Woodrum in studio. Dave Walsh, who is uh, taking his headphones and just slammed them down. <laughs> Rick Mextroth, who knows more about radio in the one hour I've known him than you in the year. I'm trying to teach you, Mr. Walsh. For our producer, um, Gabriel Sellers, and uh, our uh, videographer and, and team photographer, Steve Chapman, uh, I'm Paul Swan. This has been The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM, AM 930. ESPN 94.1 FM, AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.